Hi everyone, welcome back to the Paramount Podcast. Uh, I am James Prescott, your host. Welcome back to the show, um, and uh, um, I'm really excited about today's, today's episode. Uh, as you know, as regular listeners will know, we have had several episodes before on Taylor Swift and her um, her Enneagram number, her relationship with the Enneagram, um, and also talking about her as a storyteller. Um, I am a fan of Taylor Swift. Um, and with me is another big Taylor Swift fan, probably a bigger fan than me, um, um, who's been a guest before when we talked about the Enneagram and Taylor Swift. Jenna DeWitt, welcome back. Hey, James, it's always good to be on Poema. Yeah, it's uh, it's really great to have you here. It's been too long since we had you on before. Um, yeah, um, and so today, today the theme is going to be Taylor's recent album, Midnight's. Um, which was released, I think, about a month ago. Um, well, a month from when we recorded it, when we were recording anyway. Um, and we are going to talk a bit about the Enneagram today. Um, if you don't know what the Enneagram is, we've talked about it on the show a lot. A lot. Um, it's, it's uh, I don't know what, 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 what you call it, but there are nine different numbers, each with its own path of growth to integrate with other numbers. Um, and we each have our own kind of, we're each kind of, our personality is, is tied up with one number. I'm an Enneagram 4 with a five wing. Um, I think we've, we've, said, we've said on this show that Taylor is, what was it? What, what, what have we said? Taylor's an Enneagram 3 with a four wing? Is that right? Right. So, um, yeah, so there's, each of these numbers has a path of like, growth to integrate in there and we talked about but internally and externally that there's a, like a balance there but like sometimes you have this side dish like if you're gonna go to mcdonald's and order a hamburger you get like a side of fries so that's how mm -hmm. i kind of refer to the wing so i would say that um taylor is probably an enneagram three as her main core number and then her wing her like side dish would be the four and so that there we get both in there that there'll be some things about this that fours can relate to and some things about this that threes can relate to and probably a lot of other numbers because the goal is that you are integrating all of those numbers so as you grow as a person and become a more holistic like involved person um you'll have parts of these numbers even if that's not your core number so it's still worth listening to even if those numbers aren't things that you would maybe relate to on the surface absolutely um and yeah, uh, about 18 months ago, we talked about this in the context of um, the, Netflix, the Netflix documentary, Miss Americana, which is uh, where Taylor talks about um, some of the struggles that she's had with her, with fame. And, you know, and I think she was in the documentary that she felt she was reaching her expiry date um, as a pop star. Um, but uh, I think I think the last couple of years have kind of proved that to be completely the opposite. Um you know she's uh, she's the biggest artist in the world right now. I think um, she's broken all these all these records with with Midnight uh, with Nights. I think hasn't she? Um, you'll know this more than me. What, what records has, has Taylor broken with this album? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> with this one, uh, so th we'll talk about the tour a little bit with uh, with Ticketmaster. Yes. But um, she currently has the record for uh, most tickets sold in a single day by an artist, um, and then. Insider had several of these that it's like she's the first person to have all 10 of the top 10 of the Hot 100. Um, 
that also yeah. was the first time that there has not been a male artist because all of them were Taylor. And so <laughs> it took all of the artists being Taylor for there to not be a male artist on the top, um, the top 10 of the top of the hot 100. Um, so, I mean, there's several more um, that she's broken about like the most stream female artist in Spotify's history and the most, this, the most that, um, but there's been so many things that it, it would take all her own podcast just to like list them all of things that she yeah. has broken nominated for <laughs> or yeah. tied to there's several things that she's the equivalent of, um, you know, tied with someone else. So that's, that's a really uh, cool thing. Yeah. Pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. Um, Midnight's is basically an album. It's a kind of a concept album. Uh, it's a lot of songs that are written after, after midnight um, during those periods where we have all those, you know, we all know what it's like when after midnight, you don't talk about stuff that happens in your head after midnight. Um, there's a lot of truth telling in this album, um, a lot of deep and dark um, reflections on different things, which we're going to cover. But um, yeah, it's 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 different from anything that I've I've heard from her before, and I mean that in a really good way because it, I um, I really enjoyed it. It's, a, it's an incredible album. Um, so um, okay, let's get into the Ticketmaster thing. Um, um, so just share with us a bit about that. Oh my goodness. It was an utter fiasco. I think fiasco is the best word that I like to use around this, uh, around the sales. So the first day was a process they call verified fan. You have to sign up and be selected in advance. Um, there were like 1.5 million, I believe, Ticketmaster said that they sent codes out to and had another 2 million in the waiting list. But they said, well, you know, usually about 40% of those show up to actually buy tickets. And of course, everyone showed up. <laughs> and they sold out of tickets within that day. And then the Capital One sale was the next day. And then that some that uh, I believe in those stadiums, they offer them to the ticket hold the season pass holders. And so um, there, it it didn't go to pre sale to, to general sale, it didn't go to public sale. It wasn't open to anyone else except the verified fans and these Capital One card holders. Um, and so, I mean, it was so fast that it sold out. The whole process was chaos. People paid hundreds of dollars for tickets behind the stage. Lots of tech glisted, lots of anger issues about the wait times and, you know, putting in a queue for six hours. Um, the, you know, Ticketmaster says only 5% of these are going to resale sites, but that still seems like a lot of tickets compared to, um, you know, the amount of people that were so so heartbroken about not getting them. So, you know, talking about the themes of the Enneagram, like it is a bit ironic that the reason she's under fire right now that people are really angry is that she's too popular. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a very Enneagram three problem to have. Um, she, she revealed a statement. She's pretty angry too. Um, and her team that already does a lot that's in-house that most artists don't do that she, she brought stuff under her own um, control and her own company. Um, and they did, they warned Ticketmaster about this high demand and said, there's going to be a lot of people um, who want to get into this. But um, you know, Ticketmaster pointed out that to meet the demand, the amount of hits they had on their website that day, she would have to perform a stadium show every night for the next two and a half years. That's a post. <laughs> Every night. And, you know, like some of these stadiums have a, in the US have a capacity of 100,000 people. That's at least the one in LA I know that can expand to 100,000 people. That's not even international fans either. So, like, she will, of course, have to tour internationally as well. And I mean, that could include anything from, you know, Japan to Toronto to Paris to, you know, yeah. 
And so, I mean, she's going to have to get around the whole globe. And the fact that she has so many songs performed, she's got this entire, not just one album, but six, really. Um, you know, four of those that she's never toured before. Mm. <laughs> it's a big job. It's a really big job. Yeah, so I, I don't envy someone having to do that. I've I've seen a lot of documentaries about pop stars and, and touring and, you know, the the impact that it has on somebody physically, mentally, you know, all that kind of thing. It's not, it's not just something you can do for every hour. Like every time you have a new album, you have a tour. You can't, it, especially when you're somebody, when you're as big as Taylor and you have as many fans as Taylor, you can't just do a world tour every time you have an album because it will absolutely, I mean, it will, yeah, it's, it's too damaging. It's, it's not, it's a big undertaking and I really have a huge respect for Taylor for being willing to do it. Um, because um, you know that you know it's a lot of work. <laughs> Absolutely, you know, and she's it's threes are hard workers. That's kind of at our core is that we're constantly hustling for that belonging. We're hustling for that reputation. We're hustling for that like achievement, that status that we've made it, um, so that we can feel security, that we can feel that we are connected um, to ourselves and to the world around us and to our ambitions and dreams that we have. And we have big ambitions and dreams. Um, so it, the fact that like these industry professionals from the beginning of her career haven't taken care of her as an artist and they haven't taken care of us as fans. And she really values us as fans, you know, from the record label problems now to Ticketmaster to the distributors and, and the streaming platforms, and everything. She's had to fight on the front lines for all of this and, and be the one that using her platform and stewarding her power in that way. And, you know, that, that really hits at that three core wound of like, we have to be in control. We have to be the one manipulating the situation to strategize about things, to make it um, in the world because we can't trust anyone. We can't count on other people to come through for us. And that is so, like, unfortunately, that has been really true in her career. Yeah, it absolutely has. Yeah. Um, it's been, it's been, it's been, it's been very clear that in the last two years, the, you know, the, the, the challenges she's had with record companies and with streaming platforms and now with Ticketmaster. And it, seem, it does seem like she's constantly fighting against a system, <laughs> um, just trying to get her music out to, to fans and to get her her version of her music um, out to fans. Like, I mean, like I, uh, I only really got into Taylor Swift around reputation time, I think. Um, that's when I really started following um, her music and the re-releases that she's done, the Taylor's version. I mean, especially, especially Red. Like, I I'd heard, I listened to the original version of it, and then listened to you know, before I listened before the Taylor's version came out. Um, the difference in it, there's something about those versions which is deeply authentic um, um, and true and. Like an artist being able to um, put their art into the world the way that they want to put it out into the world, rather than the way that you know record companies want to put it out into the world. For example, publishers. Um, it's a powerful thing, um, and you know it, it, it says a lot that Taylor, Taylor Swift has been able to do it. Not many artists have the power to be able to do that, but Taylor does, which is great. It just I just wish more more artists were able to do that. Um, but it's a really good example for me um, and for everyone. I think for artists, that, you know, artists should be able to put their art into the world in the way that they 
want it to be shared with people rather than the way that systems or organizations or you know business people or whatever want it to go out into the world and um and i think people are actually craving authenticity more and more they don't want just the the, the kind of the package product they want the authentic stuff mm-hmm. um i think that's one of the reasons that taylor's re-releases have been so popular is because not just because they're really really good but because they're authentic um you can really like like the 10 minute version of um, all too well you can feel the truth of that meat of that song you can like you can there's, there's like it's not it's not just a song there's there's a story you know you can you know there's something about there's something energetic about it which you can't manufacture uh when it's true um and this this album feels true as well there's a there's a lot of taylor bearing bearing her heart in this album and it's a very brave thing to do but i have huge respect for her for doing it um mm-hmm. um now um tell us so what was the next next thing you wanted to you wanted to well explore? you're doing such a great job of covering the four side i love it so much like that is so good i think that a core thing i think about with taylor is that you know to be a three-wing four and to have that kind of artistry and career you have to have that authenticity you have to have that drive as a four but then you also have to have the three pragmatism. So she's conquering these, um, you know, the open letter to Apple for fair compensation, fighting court over and over again, the face of the artist rights to their own music. Um, but I think that can, you know, other people listening to this, there can be an application there of like seeing that and learning to stand up to a bully or playing mediator in a relational conflict or leading a movement or committee. People start to expect these things of you and they start to hold you to this higher standard than they hold anyone else to. You can't be lazy. You can't be casual. You can't be, you know, she, she talks about in Sweet Nothings of like, she's just too soft for all of the demands that people have on her. They they think she needs to be doing more. Why can't she just start a new Ticketmaster competitor? Why can't she just break up this monopoly single-handedly with all her power? Why she can't just force them to change, you know? And um, I think she is going to do whatever she has the power to do and is legally able to do within her contract and all that and the physical limitations of the time-space continuum, you know? That's a problem for threes. You've got, she's releasing remixes and she's got these re-recordings to do and she's got this tour to prepare for and then now people want her to like you know start a new company <laughs> and all these things and fight legal battles and it's like i just don't know that her and her small staff of a dozen people can like really you know change change that within the time constraint that people are expecting within like 24 hours you know mm-hmm. um we just have so many things we're capable of. We have so many things that we're expected or asked to do if only we had unlimited time. And we're efficiency driven. We're going to hustle. We're going to do whatever we can to, you know, get that that good feeling back that people want us to provoke in them. They, they want us to prioritize their thing. And sometimes in life, like, you know, you just have to learn to grieve. You grieve and move through disappointing people because, like, it's not the end of your reputation or your career, or your relationships. And you have to develop this resiliency to say, I'm sorry, I'm doing whatever I can. I'm looking into it. We prepared for this. We created a strategy for it. It fell through. There's only so much I can do. And thank you for wanting this. That was that was so key of analyzing. Taylor put out this note on Instagram that I'm quoting from, and she yeah. is very free in that. That she oh, yeah, doubted. I saw that, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was like, I, I thank you for wanting this. Thank you for having this demand because she was singing nothing new with Phoebe Bridgers, you know, and saying, when are people going to abandon me? 
And, um, you know, I saw this video the other day. Um, Mary J. Blige came on to the Reputation Tour and sang with Taylor um, one of Mary's songs um, called Doubt. And she's about overcoming self-doubt to make it at the top. And Taylor gives a speech beforehand, as she does on tour, about how she's doubted herself at every turn. And she's lost friends and sacrificed. And people are literally still saying she isn't as good as men or denying that she is the top of the music industry. Um, and instead, not only is she wanted and her art wanted, but it's breaking all these records. And millions of people are furious they can't come to her show. You know, it's like a nightmare and a dream. All <laughs> yeah, I've seen that all over Twitter that the people have been talking about you know they're angry that they can't go to see taylor's show or like um you know that's how i kind of found out about the Ticketmaster thing because it, a lot of my friends were, were kind of angry that they couldn't get tickets and like tweeting about waiting in Ticketmaster and for hours and stuff like that and well how they couldn't get time off work to go and stay on Ticketmaster for hours and, and get tickets you know it was um it was kind of a cultural thing and a phenomenon in itself. It was just like, and then I saw something about Joe Biden talking about Ticketmaster. <laughs> and I was like, what? Yeah, the all these attorney generals. Yeah. Like nobody knew there was an issue with Ticketmaster until like, it wasn't in the public consciousness until Taylor Swift released tickets on Ticketmaster. And now suddenly the president of the United States is talking about it. Like what is like, this? Is incredible. It was it was generally like incredible. Um, um, like the, the the influence that this has, you know. Um, uh, yeah, and no wonder people are calling for Taylor to launch her own her own version of it. You know, I'm sure that she did, that it would be very successful. <laughs> but it's not it's not as simple as that, is it? Like you say, with you know, you can't do everything. We're only human. Um, I mean, yeah, have... go no, go ahead. I would say the hard trade-off of that is that four side that she is known, like part of that big, larger-than-life reputation she's built up is this intimate fan-artist relationship that she has this where she goes on social media and she notices people personally. And, you know, there's back in the Red era, they would like send people Christmas gifts because that they were such big fans and influencers in the Swifty space. And, you know, she's known for this. And now it's it's a grief process as well that like she's getting so popular that like the things that made her authentic and that made her have this personal relationship. And that's the, the girl next door kind of image that she built her image on. She's too big to really even do that to, you know, just too big to hang out is the lyric from antihero. And she has to like choose and prioritize the things that she has to do because every time she goes somewhere, it's a major news event, you know, Mm. (laughs) and she becomes the story. I mean, I remember that documentary, um, the Netflix one, where he's sitting on a in a sofa in a in a house with a friend of hers, I think, like like getting all anxious about posting on something on Instagram, like knowing knowing what's going to happen when she posts it, knowing that millions of people are going to see this and media are going to comment on it and reports are going to be written about it and people are going to interpret it in all different kinds of ways. Like it's not just like when we post something on Instagram, it's like it doesn't it doesn't really matter because no one's going to barely anyone's going to see it in comparison, right? Um, you know, I get I don't, and I get like if I get like ten or twenty likes or something on my Instagram post, it's a it's a it's a success, right? Um, but when she posts something, it's significant, and so there has to be all this thought that goes into it, everything that she communicates publicly. Um, and yeah, um, and yeah, and. You know, it's it's not it's not an easy burden for any one person to carry. You know, um, human beings aren't designed to carry that kind of burden on their own. Um, and like I say, I've seen a lot of documentaries about 
um, musicians, um, especially musicians from the nineties and two thousands, and like, and when they you know they didn't have social media and they didn't also didn't have the kind of mental health support that people have now either. And it was, you know, it was it was it wasn't easy. A lot of bad things happened um, as a result because people couldn't deal with it. Um, and actually, one of the things you, you you reminded me of when you talked about how issues of the record company was George Michael, because George Michael George Michael's story is really interesting actually, because he had he was late eighties, he went solo and he was massive, like Faith was like a huge like he was one of the biggest stars in the world basically, um, and then he made this next album, Listen Without Prejudice, which is I think is a great album, but he refused to do any media for it. Didn't do wasn't didn't do one interview. He told the record company, "I'm not doing any interviews for this because my mental emotional health will not be able to survive it." <laughs> um, and that really annoyed them. <laughs> so they didn't promote it as well, um, especially in America. They didn't promote it as well. Um, and uh, and then that then but then came this kind of fallout where he took Sony to court because they wouldn't release him from his contract. He wanted to leave the record company and moved to another record company and they wouldn't let him. And he said that if, if, you, if they don't let, if they don't let me go, I'm not going to record anything else. And he didn't in the end for them. And somebody eventually kind of Virgin music bought him out of his contract and he, he started making music again. But it was, um, it was like a very public thing at the time. Like George Michael was known for being in court more than he was make for making music for a few years because, because the stuff with the record companies. So it kind of reminds me of that, but it's obviously it's, Time has moved on. And it's very different. And Taylor Swift is, I'd say Taylor Swift is probably bigger than George Michael was at the time, even though George Michael was huge. He didn't have the cult, I don't want to call it a cult following, but he didn't have the loyal following that Taylor has, like, and the size of following that Taylor has and the influence that Taylor has. Um, and so, but it did remind me of that because there is a, there seems to be an arc for a lot of artists where they have this period where they're really popular. And then there's a period where they kind of go into kind of, I'm just going to make the stuff that I like to make my authentic stuff. And sometimes it's popular and sometimes it isn't. But with Taylor, it seems that she's become more popular, the more authentic she's become. Right? That is so interesting. Yeah. And you see that like a lot of people are comparing Taylor mania to Beatle mania, you know, like, oh, we haven't seen this in the US since the Beatles, like really people were this crazy uh, about her. But um, honestly, like, you know, you can see that with some of their stuff that they produce so many records and some are more popular than others. And some they kind of went off a beaten trail and did other things or whatever. But like, like you said, like she goes off and makes folklore and she's bigger than ever. She, you know, she leaves country to make 1989 and that rockets her into global fame. You know, like every move that she's making is, is catapulting her higher and higher rather than it being like, oh, that's that one weird album that we don't really talk about, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> have that. Yeah, I mean, Midnight's is a concept album. Concept albums are what you make when you're established and famous and you don't worry, you're not worrying about record sales. And they don't normally do that. And they don't normally do as well as what are called commercial albums. Um, but it's, it's the opposite with Taylor. And I love that. I absolutely love that because we, I, and I think that says something about the world. Like I said before, people are craving authenticity more than ever. They don't want just the package product anymore. We've had so much of that in music for so long, especially the last 20 years, that people are like, when people finally connect with something that's really authentic, it's like, it's like water in the desert, right? So, um, yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, so what's so okay um i'm trying to figure out where we're going to go next so well, what was the next thing you wanted to, what's the next thing you wanted to talk about um well, I, I think as you know we think about how does how do, what lessons does this have to teach us what lessons can we learn from midnights ourselves about our own careers about our own like processing especially as threes and fours um but everyone in general is you know sometimes we get wrapped up in our own self-narrative that it is kind of you know i saw a tweet that was like Midnight's is like Taylor saying, I'm the best person. I'm the worst person. I'm, I'm the strategy behind it all. And like, oh no, karma just kind of happened to me. And like, there's all these, you know, these, these conflicting things that we go back and forth and think like, oh, I'm too popular. And then it's like, oh, what if I'm not popular enough and people don't respect me and people, you know, I'm, I'm running out of time and I need to, you know, hit it big now. And there's all these conflicting narratives in ourselves and we get so wrapped up in these and not being able to trust others which is validated, um, that our concern for our reputation and conditional belonging, um, we realize that we're the problem. So that's what she sings in Antihero. And I think it's really interesting that people are saying, oh, Antihero is for the mirror ball and the this is me trying people. And it's like, yeah. So mirror ball, she's saying like, give me your attention because I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to shine and do whatever you want me to be. I'll be whoever you want me to be. And then this is me trying. It's like, I just trying to show you that like I've put forth all of this effort and I have to try really hard to get this level of success that you're expecting from me and you're demanding from me. And then an anti-hero, you know, and mastermind in these kind of midnight themed songs, um, she's saying she is highly strategic and she is trying and, and, you know, scheming for people to get to know her and to love her and to feel connected to people. Um, and I think that is so much more driving into that authenticity you know, like I love Invisible String. It's so fun from folklore, but we kind of see the flip side of that, that it's not just like, oh, something is making all of these things happen. Um, but genuinely, it's it's like she's working so hard. And I think that we condemn, especially women, that we call them tryhards or we call them names. And I, I may have talked about this on the last episode, but, you know, we the way Anne Hathaway got hate, the way that, you know, in any of these women that genuinely work hard and they want to be known for that and they want to be seen as I have goals and I am pursuing those goals and I'm not going to act like it just came naturally. I'm not going to act like this is easy for me, you know, and let it, letting the hard work show, letting the tears show, letting the, the, the guitar string calluses show. Um, and I think there's something beautifully authentic about that with Taylor um, is that she does want awards. She does want these things. And it's a lot of times because she has people coming at her saying she doesn't deserve them or hasn't earned them. And so you have to, in some ways say, I am trying, I am not, you know, I'm not going to act like, Oh, this was all easy. This came naturally. This is all, you know, just, Oh, well, success just happens, you know, overnight. Um, but no, it is, it's like years and years of having to build up those relationships and having to build up that resiliency and, and make those highly strategic, pragmatic decisions that, you know, you can sometimes get criticism for. So I, I think that's a beautiful way that authenticity is really showing through in his later albums. Yeah, that's right. And it, it's healthy. Um, I think that's a, healthy ambition is a really interesting topic because there's, there's always been like in the last 10 years, it feels like there's been these two conversations of like either you have to either be like narcissistic and self-interested and ambitious and driven to be successful or, or you're authentic and you don't care about the outcome. You don't care about, um, and you have to be one of the other, you have to be one of the other, right? Whereas actually there's kind of a both and here with, with Taylor, 
where it's like, yeah, I do want to be successful. I do want to sell records. I do want to get awards. Um, but I'm going to do it. I, but I'm going to do it on my terms, in my way, and telling my story. I'm not going to compromise on my authenticity just just to get success. But I still want to get success, you know. Um, and that's a healthy way to approach it. Like, I don't think Taylor pins her whole identity and value on how successful her music is. Um, I don't think she does that, but that doesn't mean she doesn't want to be successful. You know what I mean? There's kind of a nuance in there. Like, um, I was like, yeah, I want to be successful. I want to sell records. I want to, yeah, I do, but I want to do it my way. I want to do it. I want to do it where I'm in control of it. I want to do it where I'm telling my story. I want to create things the way I want to create them. Um, uh, and be true to myself and have integrity. Um, like, and that's the best success. Being, having success, being true to who you are um, and being authentic is, that's that's real success <laughs> um, for me. That's If I am going to be successful, that's the kind of success I'd want to have. Not like that, that term selling out, you know, like compromising, doing what record companies tell me to do, doing what publishers tell me to do, whatever, if I'm an author. Like, and then I'll, what, what's going to sell the most? And then I'll just do that. Like Taylor doesn't do that. It's, it's, she's telling her story. She's being authentic. And because she believes that that's actually a better way to be successful. And she's right. (laughs) Well, and a huge part of having that and being able to have that as a foundation is community. So she's got all these songs now where she's singing about her relationship with Joe Alwyn and how he doesn't necessarily care about the fame and success. He's not out there competing with her. He's not out there, you know, pressing her to be bigger and do more. He's there that he doesn't care. Like when her reputation was low, he was, you know, fine with that. And he liked her for her. That's the lyric of Delicate. And like how her mom is there for her and how her friends are there for her. And they're not you know, there for her simply because of her success or because they want to be seen in the room with her and use her name to get into things or whatever. Um, they're doing it from this perspective of like, you have value to us, regardless of what you do is quote Taylor Swift in your, you know, brand life. Like you, you still like, no matter what scrutiny you come under, you handle it with grace and you handle it with, um, you know, you're not even looking. You're not even looking at all the press and drama. It doesn't affect you because it's not what our relationship is based on. So I I think that that is so key for people is that we have to develop this community and these authentic relationships of these people who like genuinely want us that my therapist pointed this out a couple of weeks ago. I really loved it is there's a difference between appreciation and connection. So there's a ton of people who are going to appreciate you for your achievements, for your brand, for your platform, whether it's a platform of 2000 or whether it's a platform of 3.5 billion, um, you know, there's, you have to have these people in your life and build up these relationships that are more than just appreciation for the hard work that you do, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, and there is a relationship that, that Taylor's, you know, most lo- like lo- loyal fans have feel like they have with her personally. Yeah, um, that's true. Um, especially women, I think. Like, um, feel like she's. I don't. From what I can observe, this is. I don't know this, but from what I can observe, many women feel like she is. Taylor is speaking for them, advocating for them. 
um, insp- uh, like a, an inspiration to them for women advocating for themselves and standing in their own power. Am I, am I right in, in thinking that? Uh, yeah, I would absolutely say so that, um, you know, it's interesting that um, Selena Gomez's documentary, My Mind and Me, has just come out. And there's a lot of talk about that, of like finally being able to talk about mental illness and bipolar disorder particularly and having that community of friends around her. And she talks about how Taylor is her real like friend in the industry. And I think that you see this generation of women from Selena and Taylor and others that you know, Beyonce, you could even include in that is, you know, not that much older than us, that she, there's this generation of these millennial women who are saying that we're going to do things on our own terms. And that is inspiring other women of this generation to say, like, we're not going to conform to the norms, you know, at least for a lot of my work is rebelling against um, the norm of romantic relationships being the absolute center of your life. And for a lot of um, other women in my community, it's against, you know, demanding that you conform to the patriarchal version of Christianity. Or there's, you know, I know a lot of people are talking about being proud of being autistic or being proud of being ADHD and, you know, having a lot of just breaking the stigma about mental illnesses. And there's so much that I think social media has helped with that, um, you know, our, our generation is finding each other. We don't have to conform or be alone or there's a, a word we call masking that you might be familiar with. And so there's, there's this masking, this unmasking and not in the COVID-19 sense, please still mask as far as like wearing a N95. Um, but <laughs> the pandemic is not over. Um, but your, your societal mask, you're taking off your metaphorical mask. Um, to reveal your authenticity and to be, reveal who you really are. And um, I think that's that's a, a vital thing we have to strive for, um, that we are constantly doing that with empathy, that we are doing it with gentleness and kindness, that we are you know, letting ourselves show, but not in a way that's like, oh, I'm speaking truth and if you don't like it, suck it. You know, but doing it in a way that um, is freedom and, and liberation across intersections that we're not just, you know, it's, it's difficult to sometimes, you know, root for the antihero in some ways because people do see us, especially as white women, I'm a white woman, um, is that we're championing our own selves. We have to get out of that. We have to champion everyone that our liberation is bound up in each other, that there, there's so much that we all have to learn from each other, whether it's disability or queerness or, um, you know, anti-racism efforts, pro-immigration efforts. Like there's just, there's so much that we have to unite across uh, marginalizations. Um, So, you know, I I think that there is this empowerment that we can get from seeing representation in people like Taylor um, or for mental illness, people like Selena, or, you know, there's, there's so many that we can hail as our heroes, but like, we can't just let that liberation be for us. We have to take these lessons that we're learning and cross apply them so everyone's voice is heard especially those who are not as centered as we are and and pull them in you know we can't just push back against patriarchy and say we're done we have to also push back against racism and homophobia and uh, ableism and all, all of the isms and phobias that we can encounter in life um and can't let that just like our own freedom and liberation be the end of the road for us and be say oh i got my award i got my accomplishments i'm done that's me you know, and it's about integration. So I'd like to actually move into something that's kind of related to that, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Yeah. So I think part of that inner side, so I'm talking about externally, let's move inward. 
So we're talking about integration in ourselves. All these Enneagram numbers live within you. Every single person has all of the numbers. And so if we're moving toward all of these numbers, um, we have to make peace with our past. And Taylor's version recordings and these middle of the night, um, you know, ruminatings on her past. And we're talking about like what's going to be next for her career. And we get the Eras tour. Which, of course, like I said, she's got so many albums that it kind of had to be the Eras tour because that's what she hasn't toured since Reputation. Um, but it has to be the Eras tour because she's got so much that she's integrating in herself. And these own the new songs are integrating that past self. And I think that's a sign of growth that we are, um, you know, as we're moving into our 30s, um, Taylor's about to be 33. I'm I'm 33 right now. We're just about the same age. And there's there's something about moving into your 30s that you need to learn to integrate who your past is. So like with the reputation era, she really wiped the slate clean. She deleted all her social media history. Everything was gone. Um, a whole music video and the spoken lyric, that, that really powerful image about the old Taylor is dead. She can't come to the phone. She's gone. And that part, when I heard that in Reputation for the first time, I was like, oh, but I really liked the old Taylor. <laughs> you know, I don't want you to be dead. Um, but I think what we're seeing here is healthy integration because um, she's got all of these different images of her past, even in the, and this is silly, but a Capital One commercial. She does this Capital One commercial where there's all of the tailors that show up in the commercial of all the different eras. Oh, wow. And what a healthier thing that elevator of all of the tailors taking a selfie with a fan, which is, of course, her core of who she's been since day one. Um, and that is such a healthier, integrated inner self than that climbing up a mountain with the reputation era tailor at the top, you know, and you've got all of these the worst versions of her in each era, you know, talking about like just, just all the, the, the climbing over each other and the fighting and the, the climb to the top. Um, I, I think this elevator selfie commercial, um, <laughs> it's an advertisement. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like romanticizing it, but you know, it, it's such a healthier image of um, moving from disowning and distancing our past. We deconstruct to accepting our past and gratitude for the lessons that they taught us. We don't have to stay those people, but we can appreciate the seeds and the storms that helped us bloom into who we are today. And who Taylor's blooming into is gorgeous. And I hope that for each one of you listening to this, like who you're blooming into is fed and watered by all of those people you've been. And even if you've left that in the past because you're deconstructing or because you're moving into a healthier version of you, like, those things are still what grew you into who you are today and who you will be tomorrow. So I, I think like, let's take that elevator selfie image and integrate it into our own lives of, you know, what it's like to forgive our past and, and, and really move into a more healthy integrated self. Absolutely. Wow. That's yes. I love that. I love the segue you took there. That's, that's, that's a beautiful segue. Um, and you're right. You're absolutely right. That part of that part of that journey, the personal journey, you know, what people call it deconstruction, is is not is like yeah, it's, you've got to unlearn a lot of who you were and let that go. And there is a point where you have to kind of let it go and almost act like it's gone forever. But you're right. Healthy integration, healthy growth is when you get to a place where you can acknowledge who you were. Um, and the good and the bad, 
Not, not, one, not one or the other. Um, and not dehumanize yourself for who you were. Um, and be grateful for the good things about that and grateful for the lessons that you've learned about from that. And then, yeah. And then you can become who you, who you, whoever you're becoming. And that, yeah, that's a really, that's really good. I like that. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Like making me think about the whole deconstruction process and like going from, because I was, the reason I connected with, with reputation was, was partly because of that, that song. Um, I think look what you made me do. I think the song is, um, and because it resonated with my deconstruction journey, which was going on at the time, and everything that she's made since has been part of that that journey for her, right? And so that's why really I fell in love with Taylor's music because it was resonating with a lot of my own journey. Um, and yeah, that's really that's that's that gives I think I hope that gives everyone a whole different perspective on. The last, especially the last, you know, four or five albums or whatever it is, you know, from Reputation onwards, um, that maybe you can listen to those and see a see a journey, um, because I mean I've noticed that honestly, to be honest, but um, but yeah, I mean like it's a journey we all need to go on if we're going to get healthy. And I think that's why the song, um, you know, these these songs of would have could have should have is about regrets that that you know she she talks about having these regrets and then you know so it's not that we look back at our past and say like oh we're perfect you know like there's there's definitely things that we have to grieve that we did or that others did to us and that she talks about um you know you're on your own kid like there's all these things you've been through but she ends it with dear reader and i think this is key the line make the friendship bracelets you got to do it. You just got to live it. You know, you're going to have regrets in your life. You know, you're going to look back and say, wow, that shouldn't have happened to me. Or wow, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Wow, I'm the anti-hero. I'm the problem. But we do it anyway. We have to live our lives fully, knowing that each new day is a chance to start again. And it's it's still worth trying and it's still worth taking risks and being brave. Have the courage, even though you know that you're going to look back and wish things had gone differently. You just have to to go for it in full brave-hearted you know just foolishness almost sometimes you know vulnerability it's vulnerability is you have to live living courageously and vulnerably and that's how we make it to belonging and connection and integration and you know all of these this healthy growth to reconstruct into somebody that we actually want to be absolutely i love that song dear reader mm-hmm. that was that my, that's one of my favorite songs on the album um I, I could listen to that over and over. It's just, it felt like, it felt like Taylor was talking to me. <laughs> um, and I love it. It's dear reader, not dear listener. You know what I mean? Um, it's yeah. Um, but you're right. The, the, there's definitely an arc to this album. Like it's kind of a gentle ending in a sense of like, we've gone all gone through all this conflict and all this difficulty and all this kind of, pain and anger and everything but here we are at the end like you know um looking back and also looking forward yeah so i wanted to ask did you have a favorite song off the album well dear reader is one of them um and i mean i i I like it's difficult isn't it i like anti-hero i like the i like vigilante vigilante mastermind 
for sure, um, as an autistic person, um, was a really interesting, <laughs> interesting one. Um, and then those last two, yeah, um, would have, could have, should have. Um, there's one song which I can't remember which song it is. I think it's High Infidelity, which mentions April the 29th. Um, mm-hmm. And April the 29th is the date my mother died. So when I listened to that, I had a that, was a that song was a whole different experience for me. It was, it wasn't about wasn't anything to do with the topic of the song, but the lyrics around that and like I, I had to really like I had to pause the album at that point just to process a lot of grief because it unlocked a lot of grief. Um, and it's incredible that it was that specific day, um, but um, so uh, I don't I can't I find it difficult to listen to that song because it because it is it. I want to say I don't want to say triggering, but it, it just it, it just unlocks a lot of things that I I need to be in the right space to to process. Right, it's a great song, right? But um, so yeah, and yeah, and I just lo- I loved I love Dear Reader as well. I was gonna that's that that song is um, profound. Um, it's the song of somebody who has been through a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of experiences, and and learned from them. You can tell it's like it's almost like she's been through the whole album is a journey, her journey, and then she comes to the end and it's like this is what I've learned, and this mm-hmm. is what I'm going. So that's why that song was, yeah. So they're they're the ones that I liked. What what were your favorites? Okay, so I am 100% into Lavender Haze. And let me tell you why. So longtime listeners will remember that I'm a romantic and asexual. And she talks about the 1950s shit they want from me. She's like, you can either be, as a woman, you can be a one-night stand or you can be a wife. And that's the only options that people want women to fall into. Mm. Um, and so I really love how she's referencing this. The song title is a Mad Men reference about being in love, the Lavender Haze. Right. Um, it's just like puppy love, basically, like your your honeymoon kind of days. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's going to live there instead of this 1950s shit they want for me. And I have to say, I love that Taylor curses now. Taylor is willing to show her belly button. She is willing to do all these things that she had these restrictions around for the first part of her career is she had to be that good girl. And learning to break out of that good girl role, I think reputation, you see it in there, but then you also see it in the alcohol references you see it and like the way that she is increasing the, the swearing that she uses. And it's like breaking out of that, like, oh, I have to be family safe. I have to be playable on family safe radio. I have to be, you know, ever. And she's like, no, F this. Like I can do whatever I want. Um, and growing into that, I think is, is what, part of that healthy integration, but then it's also part of that vulnerability of showing your real emotions that you're not just saying, I'm fine. Everything's fine. We're all good here. Nothing to see to like shut down the criticism, but instead being like, yeah, if you're going to criticize me, full force i'm gonna say the word shit like <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah it's like talking about where people are you know saying crazy things and you know she's like i don't even know i don't even care i don't even listen to that crap anymore and like not even pretending that like she cares about the gossip of who said what to whom and blah 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 and she's like i don't care i'm just gonna go live in my own paradise <laughs> it's like yes girl do it and i feel like i had to go on that journey as well like being raised in a conservative christian environment you know it's moderate Mine was more moderate. I, I shouldn't say conservative, but I was in a very conservative um, work workplace for a long time and having to learn how to like teach myself to curse. Like people think it's funny when Taylor curses because she, you know, you know she's had this good girl image and people, people almost laugh 
when she said it. And I have definitely had that experience of people laughing when I when I have a swear word come out of my mouth that it sounds like I rehearsed it. And that is absolutely true of Taylor too. So I just love Lavender Hayes for a lot of reasons um, for, you know, what she's doing with that song sonically and lyrically and everything. So that'd probably be my favorite. Fantastic. Fantastic. Did you get tickets for the tour? I did not. My dad tried really hard to get them for me for Christmas. Um, and it was a whole thing about, you know, all my anxiety about getting to LA and, you know, oh, what was I going to do? How was I going to get there? Who was I going to go with? And all these things. And then in the end, it wasn't like it wasn't even an issue because he couldn't get the tickets. So he tried out the pre sale, oh, didn't get the pre sale, and, you know, with two million other people. And then, um, you know, didn't get tickets with the Capital One. Like that whole arena was sold out, like just solid sold out. And so, you know, there's we're just one of those billion people that <laughs> yeah. I thought, oh maybe with a general sale and then there wasn't a general sale so it didn't work out for me but you know I'm really happy for the people who did get them um, yeah. and I hope to work out some ways to you know get those other five percent of those resales into the hands of really loyal fans I, I think yeah. that's something she and her company can work on right now is is how to get those resold tickets back into the hands of the fans that were really disappointed not to get them yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Um, I always love talking about the Enneagram and Taylor Swift with you. Um, I always feel like I learn a lot, but, um, and it makes me want to listen to the album again, actually, as well. Uh, I'm going to go and listen to the album again tonight, but um, yeah, thank you for, for coming on again. Uh, I'm sure you'll, we'll have you back again when Taylor releases another album. I'm sure there's going to be, I don't know, what, what's the next What's the next um, Taylor's version that we're due? 1989? Is that right? Ooh, that's a big thing. We don't know. Is it going to be 1989? Is it going to be the title album? Is it going to be Speak Now? We do, like, we're not really sure. There's, she's been dropping hints, like enchanted hints, which would lean towards Speak Now, but then she's also got some songs from 1989 already recorded. So we'll see. That'll be really interesting. There will be another one. Um, did we actually do an episode on Red? We didn't, did we? We should do an episode on Red. Oh, yeah. Wow. We should do yeah. that. Yes. To be continued. Um, but where <laughs> can people find you online? <laughs> Great. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Jenna underscore DeWitt. Um, you can find me on WordPress. I have a website called Invisible Cake Society with all sorts of resources for when you feel a little hidden or invisible. Um, and that covers queer Christian resources, asexuality, um, neurodivergence, and just general... Um, you know, when you, when you feel maybe a little invisible. Um, and then I just created a Tumblr. So if people are on Tumblr, um, invisiblecakesociety.tumblr.com. Um, and so those are all wonderful places to find me and I hope to connect with you there. Thanks so much for having me back on, James. You're welcome. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. So um, do connect with Jenna uh, and um, her work. It's it's really great. It really is great. Um, I'm subscribed to her Tumblr blog. It's, it's excellent. So uh, yes. Uh, thanks for coming on, Jenna, and uh, thanks for listening, everyone.